0: Welcome to Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rizak. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. One of the things I see that could really assist us all in this great awakening is to keep having conversations with the wisdom keepers, the ones who have done more inner work than we have done or a bit further along. I think this really affirms the soul's journey. Which myths and modes of seeing the world will best serve us moving forward? How does each one of us serve the grail, so to speak? It is these questions lived in each heart that will ultimately heal the wasteland that we find ourselves in. We are not living in hopeless times, far from it. There has never been a better time to be alive. And I don't mean because there are opportunities to get rich, really. Who cares about that when the inner and outer wasteland is so evident all around us and desperately needs our attention? No, there has never been a time when so many of us are receptive to divine intervention, open to the magic of transformation and alchemy, when so many of us are experiencing a deep awakening of our collective mythic imagination, or epinoia, as the Gnostics refer to it. And there has never been a time when the Grail myth was so close to completing its mission. That's right. I have heard it said many times over the past couple years that we are living in biblical times, and I can certainly see and appreciate this perspective. However, for me, I would say that we are living in mythical times, that the culmination of our great search for truth and meaning as a collective is about to enter an exciting new chapter. To quote my guest today, quote, what is being born in the collapse and disillusion of the old mythologies, the old belief systems which have divided instead of uniting humanity, is a recognition that we do not live in a dead, meaningless universe, but within a sacred cosmic order, unquote. And I couldn't agree more. Let's go have another enlightening conversation with wisdom keeper and author Anne Baring. Dr. Anne Baring is a Jungian analyst and the author of seven books, including her most recent book, The Dream of the Cosmos, A Quest for the Soul, which was awarded the Scientific and Medical Network Book Prize for 2013. The ground of all her work is a deep interest in the spiritual, mythological, shamanic, and artistic traditions of different cultures. Her website, is is devoted to the affirmation of a new vision of reality and the issues facing us at this crucial time of choice. Here is my interview with Anne Baring. Hey, I am here with author and mystic and thought leader, Ann Baring. Anne, welcome back to Basecamp for Men. It is great to have you on the show again.
1: Lovely to be here, Tony.
0: Absolutely, and, and this on your birthday week, correct?
1: Yeah, correct.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you celebrating? You, I thought you said maybe that you were getting together and. and yeah, att- yeah.
1: Humanity Rising, which is run by Jim Garrison of Ubiquity University, is having a sort of Zoom party for me with my very special friends, people oh, I've met on different books in the past. And two men will Jim himself and somebody called David Lorimer will be there, which is lovely.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, you know, your book, The Dream of the Cosmos, A Quest for the Soul, it is such, such a great book. I rave about it all the time. It sits, you know, I have, I have my desert island books that sit right at my desk and I don't have room for many. I have about eight or 10 of them and yours is one of them. I think it's that kind of book. And, uh, you know, it just, it just encapsulated, So many pieces of what had been the search for me, whether I was searching in myth or fairy tales or stories or mystery schools or, you know, it just kind of brought together all these different threads and enabled me to sort of paint a clear, coherent picture of where i was going and and how to make sense of it so um and i wanted to start off by by quoting part of the book and just um you wrote in it you said quote suppose the universe is trying to penetrate the thick fog of our consciousness suppose that behind the four percent that is visible to us there are undiscovered dimensions and multitudes of beings who inhabit those dimensions suppose we do not die with our body but continue to live and grow in these dimensions so that there is a continuity between what happens here and what happens there, unquote. I just love this quote and this sentiment. And, you know, I, in my own journey, I think I found I wanted this to be true when I was younger, but I really wasn't, I was too spiritually sort of immature at the time. But as I've gotten older, I'm in my mid-50s now, I feel like this is kind of a for for myself it's a self-evident sort of uh, a piece of information the more work I've done the more this becomes kind of where I live all the time and I just wanted to ask you I guess like is this something that that came to you when you were young is it something that grew and matured as you did all of the reading and research around this
1: I think it's something, well, I knew it in my childhood because my mother was a medium. She received channeled messages when I was about 12, 13 uh, onwards, really. So they made a deep impression on me. They were wonderful messages. One of uh, of the people who gave them was St. Francis, and that made a deep impression on me. And so I grew up with the feeling that there were beings out there and that one could contact them, that they were interested in what was going on here. Yes, And I really adjusted my life to their, their instructions or their directions in a way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that was the foundation that I had. And then as I grew older, I was obviously interested in other things. But recently I've become very interested in the work of Nassim Haramein, who is a physicist, Mm. and he is currently um, exploring very ancient civilizations when we were visited by extraterrestrial people from other planetary systems yes. there's no yeah. question about it now there's Absolutely. evidence which he's Absolutely. discovered so that's the other end of the story anyway once one was the channeled messages but then then now recently there is proof that these um, beings have visited our planet, and they used to be called by the Peruvian shamans. They used to be called the Shining Ones.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's, it's such a beautiful term, the Shining Ones.
0: That that's really interesting because uh, in my explorations, I'm very interested in in extraterrestrials and our history around that. And one of the things I found so interesting not only were the Egyptian pyramids have this kind of mystical connection. You know, they say that. Yeah. That The pyramids themselves are aligned with the star Sirius and are connected to the Orion uh, uh, constellation, which I find really interesting. But in all of the indigenous tribes, North American, African, South American, they always had myths around the shining ones. And, and the visitors from the star people, they called them in the Native American tradition. And they, yeah. they it was passed along uh, in their oral tradition that, um, this was a matter of fact, and they had all kinds of stories around them. And it's funny that, you know, we still, part of us as a humanity still is very skeptical yet, um, are the, the other arm of us or the other part of us is steeped in truth around, uh, the, the reality of extraterrestrials. I'm very interested in this as a topic. Um, and I'm glad you brought it up because I, I find that to be a fascinating bookend to to ancient civilization. You know, people go into the Egyptian and, and whatnot. They don't often go into connections to the extraterrestrials.
1: That's right. And there's also a man called Neil Gower, Gaur, G A U R, who runs something called Portal to Ascension, mm. which has fascinating talks. I never have time to listen to them because I'm too busy with my own work. Yeah. But there, there are people that he's gathered together who are in touch with extraterrestrials and can yep. uh, convey a great deal of information to us. I think this is all coming up in our culture now because um, since in June last year um, in America, they put out some information to say that there had been ufo's yeah, visiting yeah. this planet but they hid 400 pages were redacted and ju- and shown only to uh, the senate i think so yeah, 400 yeah. pages of that report have disappeared which i think is quite wrong but evident there was something they don't want the general public to know, but anyway, this is coming out. There's also mm-hmm. a man called Stephen Greer who's in contact with the stars all the time, Absolutely. and he has taught people with his methodology of how to connect with the with Sirius or with Orion or with any other other stars which particularly interest people. So this is there; it's in the human psyche. And as you say, the the um, indigenous people have known this for fifty thousand years. They've passed on these traditions. They've never doubted them, and That is where we should go if we want more information, I think, about them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there seems to be a split occurring right now. I don't know if you're seeing it quite in those terms, but I can see one fork of the road going down this kind of accelerated AI, you know, now we have the metaverse, you know, Facebook is making the metaverse, which is some digital world virtual reality that we're all supposed to live in and care, you know, more about than the actual world we live in. Um, And it seems completely devoid of the divine feminine and and devoid of the soul to me. And then on the other fork, you have this awakening portion of the tribe that is seems to be steeping itself in myth and the divine feminine and all these stories and the and and is really representing the emergence of humanity um and so i'm i'm i see both happening i'm completely aligned with the soul's journey of course as are you but what do you make of the other one is it is it almost like a frequency split where, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, you'll see one portion go in one direction and one go in the in the next. And we're not necessarily going to be sharing the same reality moving forward because some will choose to live in this kind of digital world and that'll be very exciting for them. And the others are going to be going, no, I don't think that's the right way for my soul. I'm sticking with the earth and I'm sticking with um, nature and humanity. And that seems more you know uh truthful to me i don't know if that's something that you've noticed that there's this kind of bifurcation that's being driven by technology
1: i have noticed it and, and there's somebody called um dr ian McGilchrist, who's a psychiatrist who's just written an enormous book called a matter of things in which he shows detail by detail how we have shut down the right hemisphere of the brain over the last 300 years with the advance of scientific materialism, mm. and we're living entirely through the left hemisphere of the brain, which is mm. extremely um, associated with exactly what you say, with more technology, with AI technology, really with being masters of the universe, which is a total um, arrogance or hubris, the Greeks would have called it a hubris, um, okay. thinking that we know better than, than life, so to speak, that we can direct life in the way we want. And that is going to come to a terrible nemesis, which may bring the planet to its uh, life on the planet to its end, or anyway, our life to its end Mm -hmm. um, as a human species. Whereas the other group are working really more through the right hemisphere of the brain, through the imagination Mm -hmm. and through feeling and through connection and relationship, which is all to do with the feminine. Yep. And um, they are taking the other route. They're not nearly as many of them as there are in the in the technology group because may, men are fascinated by technology. They really are. And so they get into it, and before you know what happens, they think the brain is a computer. They think the consciousness originates in the brain, which is r- rubbish. Yep. But they believe what they've stated to be true, which isn't true, if you see what I mean. It's a hypothesis. Yep. But they've taken it to be truth, and they're following that false road and it, could, it will lead to a cat- catastrophic end, if it, in my opinion. Right, if right. people don't come back to the other one, which is the feminine uh, awakening of the feminine awakening relationship with the earth and um, with the cosmos. And it, it's a deep, deep commitment to answering the question, why am I here on this planet? What is my purpose on this planet? Mm-hmm. It's not to just dominate and control through technology yeah it's something know. quite different, so that's my answer to what your question was well and there's there's also there's a lack of depth
0: in the digital world it's all ones and zeros it it it's made to appear to have a particular uh depth to it, but it really does not and and I think that's that it's very shallow uh and shiny and I think that's where people can get really hooked in. I wanted to read you a quote um i remember reading it but i don't remember who wrote it um it was a quote that said quote we are all abused on a soul level unquote and the reason i wanted to bring this up is you know i i can see this in myself and in others that the soul's journey has been a rough one right we've all sort of descended and then made our lives and our way through the wasteland trying to find meaning trying to find um, the way, I don't want to say the way out, but the way that transforms the wasteland. And um, one of the ways, um, this might seem like a sidebar, but one of the ways I see men um, being abused on a soul level, and this might sound funny, but I think pornography is an abuse to both men and women. I think one of the things around that is that it takes men's natural um attraction to the female form and the masculine's natural attraction to the feminine and it twists it in weird ways so that it actually degrades both the feminine and the masculine but it does it in ways you know most men probably think well i'm just you know getting my jollies or i'm getting you know whatever um it's erotic i find it exciting or whatever never suspecting that it's doing soul a a damage to the soul. And I've spoken about this um, in my men's groups. And, um, and I just wanted to get your take on the things that you see that may abuse on a soul level, because I feel like uh, with the, with the issue of pornography, I feel like it starts to touch on what the Gnostics, the great Gnostic teachers warned. They said um, in your emergence, in the soul's return uh, be careful because there are archons that will deceive you and they will deceive you. The deception will live inside of your mind as a program. So you have to watch the kinds of things you think and the kinds of things that you're being exposed to because the archons, meaning the, the deceivers of the soul's return, the inhibitors of the soul's return, to the pleroma, are out to sort of point you in a wrong direction and hope that you never notice that they're deceiving you. And I think when I think of the internet and technology and pornography in particular, I think this is what they were referring to or or an aspect. I don't know what your thoughts are on that or- Well,
1: I have very strong thoughts because we had a terrible murder in May of a beautiful young woman who was walking home from an evening out with friends in the street. She she shouldn't have been out because there was lockdown. Mm -hmm. And a policeman stopped her. And she and said, you must come to the police station with me. And she just meekly had handcuffs put on her behind her back, got mm. in the car, and she was raped and murdered. Mm. And he was a policeman. So this has been a, a huge eruption of female fury against okay. um, rape and um, murder because 100, I think three women are murdered every week in, in, U, in the UK, yep. 150 a year. So mostly by their partners. Anyway, to get back to pornography, I think it is a vile, vile temptation to men. Mm -hmm. And I think it's absolutely corrupting to the soul because there's no doubt that this policeman who murdered this poor girl um, was corrupted by that. And many men are. They think it's just rather fun to do when they look at it and everything. But it corrupts the soul because it gives them a distorted image of woman and a distorted image of sexuality and a distorted image of their own feeling function and their sexual Um, you know, their sexual uh, nature, if you like, that part of themselves is corrupted and it never recovers because these images stay in the imagination and Mm -hmm. work away, like you said, like the archons. I wouldn't put it in that particular thing, but in in Christianity it would have been called the temptation of the devil because it, it is corrupting and it destroys the soul. And also, it just leads to the murder and rape of women, which are out of control in this country. The rape. They can't deal with. They only deal with 1% or 3% or something right. of the total rapes. So women are simply furious, and nobody will deal with this because they think, oh, well, you have to have your freedom. Men have to do what they want. Mm-hmm. But I call it vile. I actually wrote a letter to the newspapers about it, which was published, in which I said, women will never forget this murder, and they will never forgive um the police or yeah. for having somebody in it that did this sort of thing and Absolutely. this will this will go on as long as for pornography of this violent pornography is allowed to exist yeah so that's my view of it and I feel very strongly and I will take on any man who argues against it
0: well and in and, and... To your point, it's it's also attached to technology because um, of the dark web and all the different things that have popped up out of the shadows and attached themselves to what you can find on the internet, and so it it represents sort of the deepest, darkest shadows of 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 men, frankly.
1: Um, yes, it does, and and there, even now there are things coming up in the paper of men who are saying things about women, which are absolutely disgraceful, and they found in the police. Um, emails and things between each other, you know, chatting to each other. The same sort of contempt for women and the same awful language about them and using the language of pornography, really. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. So this
1: has gone deep. It's very deeply established in the culture now because of the internet and because of the access to whatever they want. And because presumably men have the time to spend on this. But it's not not something that attracts women. It, It really isn't.
0: No, no, no. I know. I know. Um, I want to talk a bit about the grail shifting gears a little bit and and one of the things to set it up, you know, you wrote, quote, there is a voice that of myth, fairy tale and legend and also of mystic vision which points inwards leading us, if you will, allow it into the neglected dimension of our inner life, our soul, which in turn connects us to the greater soul of the cosmos. In its simplest terms, the soul is the secret, the hidden dimension that is the goal of the hero's quest in myth and legend, unquote. It's funny to me or interesting to me that, you know, after all the searching and, and reading in and different myths and mystery schools and wisdom traditions, that it seems the central piece. It Always comes down to the recognition of the inner life and the feminine soul or the world soul that lives in each of us. Um, and I find it enormously uh, a relief because it seems simple to to honor one's inner life and soul and the world soul and to honor the feminine. Um, but how do we keep this front and center? How do we how do we keep this as a guiding principle? for humanity and for one another as we live through these times that we're living in.
1: So what is happening now, Tony, what is happening now is the new science that's coming in, which is completely changing our view of our relationship with the Earth and the cosmos. Mm. And what it's finding out and what will come out very shortly, I think, and there's a course on it at the moment, which I'm going to take, is that it's not so much that the soul lives in us. We are part of the soul.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: at the at the level of the subatomic atomic uh, atoms as a, of our being so to speak or the very much smaller than the atoms we're all connected first of all we're connected to each other and the life of the planet and secondly the whole of the cosmos is interconnected uh, in a way that Nothing is can break that connection. Mm. So this new science is saying that we've been a ter- made a terrible mistake with the view that there's only material reality. Mm. Uh, we know understood nothing about this thing of connection and um, I can't remember the word entanglement. Everything is entangled with everything else. Yep. So this is changing our image of ourselves and our image of our relationship with the earth and with the cosmos so we're not separate from the earth like the indigenous people have always told us mm-hmm. that what we do to the earth uh, comes back on us so to speak so we have to treat the earth properly mm-hmm. if we want to survive well on it so this is I think tremendously exciting it's going to break down that what I call the firewall of materialist science and completely up, turn upside down that the idea that a consciousness comes from the physical brain from the neurons of the brain Mm. It's going to prove that consciousness comes to us from the consciousness of the universe and that we are part of that consciousness. As a physicist says, she said, um, we don't have consciousness, we are consciousness. Mm. So this new way of thinking is going to come in shortly, I think, and it's going to turn everything upside down. It's going to be resisted. It's already being resisted a lot, but it can't prevail because this is the new thing that's coming in. And if you like, it's the new myth. And it's the connection, from my point of view, it's the connection with the soul. Mm. Scientists call it the field because they don't, they're not interested in the idea of soul, but I call it the soul, or cosmic soul, as Plato called it, and Plotinus as well. So that's what's coming in, and it's going to change all our relationships, and it's going to make us much more responsible, I hope,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah. in relation to the Earth, and also it's going to open up. Connection with the cosmos in a completely different way. Instead of being the only sentient beings in the whole universe, which we stupidly think we are at the moment, yeah, it's going yeah. to show that there are just countless billions of other conscious beings in the universe. You know that's going to change everything. We're not unique at all. We're part of millions of other planetary systems. Well, that's that's. And, a, I love that. I love
0: that uh, new model um, and it it seems inherent in it is in an entanglement and interconnectedness with this cosmic this larger cosmic soul or cosmic being that that it's a two-way communication between you know humanity or even other beings you touched on ets that that perhaps there's a two-way communication you know with the with the soul with the larger world soul um, that you can receive messages, images and inspiration and guidance just as well as you can perhaps uh, uh, contribute to the to the larger field. I, f- I find the whole thing to be extremely exciting. I'm excited to see. It is exciting.
1: It's yeah. very exciting. And it's also coming because we're living in a wasteland. We are living in the worst wasteland at the moment, which we yeah. created, stupid yeah. fools that we are, yeah. thinking that we can dominate and control nature for our own for the ends of serving our own species instead of serving the the earth or serving the grail we've been serving our species yeah Um, and we've got to completely get this right and turn turn it turn it all around if we want to heal the wasteland
0: yeah yeah one of the things i've touched on because it's it's not to shirk the responsibility for the wasteland because i do think there is that's on us we have to grow our our sovereignty but um one of the one of the dynamics that i think um is there that is not always picked up on is you know i've done some some episodes on the the globalists or the ruling elite or the deep state however you want to say it most of them are sociopaths in other words they don't care whatsoever about humanity and our soul's journey in fact they're very content (laughs) They're, they're very content to control things they don't care if they depopulate us they don't care about our myths they don't care about our gods and goddesses and soul none of that matters to to the globalists they just want to continue to control so to be fair some of the wasteland that we're seeing is a result of we have let um sociopaths run things we've had in essence an old corrupt king with no heart for humanity, and so part of our emergence is to reclaim that. Hey, wait a minute! Uh, we don't want you running things anymore. We don't want your old corrupt systems. We don't want your old corrupt, you know, debt-slaved banking. We want to start to create uh, uh, structures that reflect where we're at in our understanding of the cosmos. And so, I think that that is very much in play, and it gives me a lot of hope. I'm, I'm not trying to shirk responsibility for the wasteland because we've been uh, implicated in being a victim saying, well, we're, we're not running things. Uh, the globalists are. What can we really do? Which is a very weak, sort of inactive, passive way of agreeing that the agenda is fine, right?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you've said. And I, I agree with the, the rulers of the world have always been like this. For 4,000 years, they've been yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. And their sole interest has been power and and uh, acquisition of territory or acquisition of money or acquisition of yep. whatever you want to call it. But that has been their focus. And you can see it with, with Putin and with Xi uh, in, in China yep. or, or what's-his-name in, in Belarus. You know that they're simply not – they don't love the earth. There's no question about that. There's no devotion to the life of the planet or Bolsonaro in, in Brazil. Yeah. They're, they're totally interested only in power mm-hmm. and how to maintain it and how to extend it. Mm-hmm. and you can see Putin's attempt now with Ukraine he may invade Ukraine in order to get back the territory that once belonged to the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. so that's all he's interested in. He doesn't think about the moral choice involved or how many people are going how many young men are going to be killed in this combat. He's simply not interested in any of that. And so I think we have to speak out in whatever way we can. Mm-hmm. We have to really be like Grail Knights. We have to bring forward this idea of um, healing the wasteland through whatever we say or whatever we're capable of doing. There are ways, I mean, there are people, um, like the book, The Man Who's Written Pandemic, for instance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There are people active, and they're challenging the status quo, but they've got a big struggle. It's really like a a David and Goliath struggle. But I think that with this new science, I think a lot will shift. It may take 50 years. Mm -hmm. and I don't think we've got 50 years. We've got more like 25. Mm -hmm. But um, it will shift understanding, and they will have to take it on board as well they will have to understand that they're part of the cosmos. They're not here to dominate the cosmos or the earth or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, there's a very deep co- connection. And they have hearts. It's just that they've been trained to think in this way with the left hemisphere. Yep. And yep. they've killed the imagination in the right hemisphere. And they only think with half of them, half of the brain, so to speak. So you, you can't blame them. But this is a pattern that's gone on, as I say, for 4,000 years, mm-hmm. in what I call the solar era. And until we really see this clearly, um, not much will change. But more and more people are seeing it like you're seeing it and I'm seeing it. And we tell other people and we give talks and we, um, you know, we pass on what we know. And this is how things change little by little Um, in in all the sort of fairy tales. It's the... um, the younger brother who who gets the princess, who nobody thinks was worth anything, or it's Parsifal
0: who yes, becomes wow. the
1: Grail Knight. Um, it's there in all the legends and stories, and and the prince who gets through the hedge of thorns to the Sleeping Beauty um, because he has the right attitude. He he can't just bash his way through in order to get the prize. Yeah, he's got to be ready to get through that hedge of thorns. He, he must know what the hedge of thorns is all about, mm-hmm. how to cut through it. So there's, there's a lot that is changing, uh, Tony. And I think we need to be hopeful, as you say, not depressed. Because in my lifetime, I've seen a tremendous change in the last five years, really, over my sort of 75 years or 80 years of being in, in grown up in the world. Um I can feel the change I can see the change I I see that people are talking in a different way thinking in a different way and yeah. all the things that we've seen on television about David Attenborough's wonderful programs are preparing people for seeing the world in a different way
0: Absolutely I I, I can see the same thing um if if Parsifal and the myth of the grail represents humanity um where are we in the story you know I see a portion of of humanity uh uh where they're approaching the 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 wounded uh Fisher King the first time in other words they really don't know what's going on in the larger conversation but they're starting to get a sense that maybe they're part of this story that they might play an important part their awakening and their soul's journey just might be part of the key to the whole thing and they're starting to ask questions about what is inner work? What do I need to do to understand this? I'm starting to get inklings from what I'm reading and hearing. And then you have another sort of portion of the population, I think, that, is, that represents Parseval coming to the Grail Castle the second time. In other words, they've done their inner work. They've, con- they've seen what the importance of the divine feminine is and the soul. And they're very clear that they're speaking is serving the Grail. They're they're approaching the wounded King and know, and they know that there is a clarity of mission. That this is the whole point of their life was to uh, to notice the wasteland, to come to aid the, the the Fisher King, to ask the question and fulfill the prophecy. Um, All done in service to the grail without ego uh, and and that this was the whole key and the whole point of their life was to play their part in this myth. So I think you have from what I can see, you have these kind of you have this dynamic where some of us are Parseval visiting the first time some are out having adventures uh ripening and the soul is maturing and they're starting to realize hey I might have more of a part in this than I ever thought um and then you have a portion uh uh you and I might be in that second approaching the grail castle the second time where we've we're really clear about what our mission is but there's large numbers in every single stage of this myth but um I'm incredibly uh grateful for the myth to help me understand where i'm at and where others are at it gives me a quick sort of snapshot to understand uh uh the telling of the story our story and how we restore the wasteland which is so important to me and as i you know i have a son and i'm i'm concerned for future generations i can hear in your speaking you're very concerned as you told the story about the girl that was raped in the wasteland, you know we have all these wasteland stories that concern us and 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 distress us frankly and and make us feel like, oh my god, we're we're not winning this. but yet here comes this myth, this central myth to help keep our hope and to help keep uh, our 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 narrative elevated, knowing that we play a very important part as does this person and this person and this person.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the, the difference between the two visits to the Grail Castle are that in mm. the first one, Pasifal doesn't know what he should be doing. He has no yeah. idea what, what he needs to do to heal the Grail King or why the King is really wounded. Yeah. But the second time, he's developed compassion, and that is the difference. He's developed the capacity to feel the suffering of the Grail King. Mm. And because of that, he can ask the right question. Mm-hmm. That's terribly important that he's grown up sufficiently or matured sufficiently to be capable of compassion for the whole of humanity in the wider sense now. Yes. It's not just um, patting the dog or whatever. It's really we have to view the, su- the terrible suffering. Look at the refugees, look at Afghanistan. You know, Look at the people freezing cold on the, in the forest in Belarus. Look at the things that are being done to human beings by other human beings. Mm -hmm. And when you have that compassion, then you can say, what ails you? And what the person, the old king that's lying there is actually the old image of God also. Why have we not understood what God is? And this is coming through in the new science. Again, they won't use the word God, but I can see in in my chapter in my book on, um, on God, I explained that we're discovering that we're part of God. We're not separate from God. We are atoms and the being of God, so to speak. So what we're doing to the Earth and what we're doing to each other, we're actually doing to the, to the being of God or the body of God from the Earth point of view. So all this can be thought through and then we can say, um, what else? And we can heal because we asked the right question. So I think it's very, very important the difference that you've described between the two kinds of humanity, one who is not ready, who hasn't developed compassion, and the the other second kind who in the second visit who knows what to say and who can feel the suffering of the king. And then the king is healed. The the wound heals immediately that Parsifal says those words. It's such a wonderful story, that, and it's to do... Um, with awakening to the feminine, awakening to the feeling function of the heart, and allowing that to guide one, not in a sentimental way, but as the main structural influence on one's life. Mm -hmm. What do I feel about this situation? What do I feel about these refugees? Um, What do I feel about the governments and the people who are... Injuring and hurting and killing people mm-hmm. uh, you know that that's all the sort of thing that comes in I think and it's very very important now and because we can see things so much more clearly because we have television and we have the internet and everything, everything is much clearer than it was a hundred years ago or even fifty years ago we can actually see the things that are being done that are wrong and we know they're wrong
0: yeah absolutely well and the, the other thing that I think is really interesting is that that Parsifal realizes that that you know, he's he's there to serve the grail. I think it's, I love this notion of serving the grail, yeah. serving the soul, serving the inner life of humanity and where we're going rather than possessing it. The grail can't be possessed. The, the myth makes it very clear that it is there to be served uh, by those worthy to serve it. And that, that is people that are willing to do the work to right-size the ego, to put their own uh, egoic uh, uh, needs aside to say, what does what does humanity need? What does the, the wounded king need? What does the wasteland need from me that will help move us into the next era? And I think, you know, it could be something small uh, or something that's on a, the, the scale of it really doesn't matter. I think the, right. the important part is each person realizes that they have an important part to play and your, your part might impact only a few people, but that's the magic of the grail is it shows that alive in every heart, it resonates and makes an impact out in, like you were saying, the interconnectedness and entanglement of the field or the world soul. All who serve the grail do important work, regardless of whether you're a best-selling author or you're a television person. It doesn't really matter. The important part is that you've aligned yourself with the grail, this larger notion of the divine inside of you. Um, and you're there ready to serve as you get messages that say, hey, we would we would really like you to give a talk over here or write about this, um, you serve the greater good and, and, and humanities emerges. I think that's a, a really beautiful, magical part of the Grail myth as it shows that on many layers.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. That word service is so important because mm. it's not power over, it's yeah. devotion to mm. um, and it's service of whatever needs to be helped, like could be animals, it could be children, it could be any kind of suffering anywhere, Mm. whatever one does helps the the, uh, situation as it is, but it also contributes to healing the whole web of life. That's the the most important Mm. um, phrase really, the web of life in which we're all contained. Whatever we do, whether good or evil affects that web. So the more we do in service of the web, in love of the web, the more the healing takes place and the more we're in real communion with the deeper elements of life. So I think that's terribly important. It's The, it, the two things, one is to ask the question and the other is to serve.
0: Beautiful. I love it. You know, you, you wrote um, that the primary... Th- themes of feminine or the primary theme of lunar mythology or feminine mythology is a cyclical process of birth, death, and regeneration. And on the other side, the primary theme of solar or masculine mythology is a great battle between light and darkness or between good and evil. And I just wanted to ask you about that. We seem to be still primarily working with the masculine or solar motifs because you see it in a lot of the films um you know like star wars or the matrix um lord of the rings i think mixed the two there there was regeneration and rebirth there but still a dominantly a good and evil battle and when you look out at the The things that are being reported right now, you know, there's a lot of, this is, we live in biblical times and everything seems to be talking about the light and the darkness and the shadow um how do we keep the other aspect the the lunar the feminine mythologies how do we keep those alive is there is there a way that well, we it, can yeah go ahead yeah,
1: it, it it was completely killed off the the lunar mythology was completely killed off 4000 years ago by the solar mythology yes so the great ma- battle took over but um and and extinguished the idea of relationship which mm-hmm. was the feminine um, mythology, which was the relationship between everything, uh, the whole, uh, everything came forth from the mother and therefore was connected through the life of the mother, through the cosmic womb of the mother. So there was a uh, connection, relationship, and she brought forth in within the birth and then. The, the death of, of nature every year, and our death, and then regeneration. Mm-hmm. Because these earlier cultures believed that the, the soul was reborn, just like the props or just like the moon. It was based on the, uh, the moon, the phases of the moon, and they were related to the phases of the Earth's life, spring, summer, autumn, and winter, mm-hmm. and also to our lives, the phases of our life, of youth, maturity, and old age. Yep. And after death, we were reborn. And we've lost the idea of immortality completely because science has killed that off yep. by saying that the soul um, it doesn't exist and that there's only the mind and the mind comes forth from the neurons of the brain and that's it. And when we die, we have nothing left. So we've been imprinted with this false mythology of uh, scientific materialism, not science, but scientific materialism, and this is all about also solar mythology as a great battle. And, and the whole world, the press loves the, the idea of, um, you know, the conflict and building up conflict and yep. attacking one side and then the other side. And I mean, we can see it going on now with cancelling, for instance, which is rife in the academic world and the universities with young people cancelling people that they don't want to hear or criticise in some way. Yep. This is outrageous bad manners apart from anything else. Uh, But it's also ridiculous because it's not allowing anything to exist that isn't approved of by a small group of very opinionated um, and badly educated young people.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, we're seeing it all over the place here.
1: Everywhere. And somebody like um, Jordan Peterson, you know, cancelled or shut up or told to shut up. Yeah. And people take offense at the slightest thing And um, the whole thing of the trans um, community is another big problem because they are rabid in pursuit of their power and in a very unpleasant way. Yeah, I agree. And nobody has put a stop to it. Nobody said, just wait a minute, just calm down, and wait a minute, look at what you're doing. Exactly. So this is all part of the, the battle between light and darkness, and they see themselves on the side of light. Against the stupidity of the rest of humanity, right? right. So we've got to somehow get out of this baffle idea and into the idea of relationship Mm -hmm. between all of us, all the different um, races in, in humanity, all the different ethnic groups. We're all, from the scientific new science, we're all children of God, or if you like, we're all connected with each other. Atoms and the being of what science calls the field, or I call God. Yeah. Um, so if we could only realize that, there's no hi- hierarchy whatsoever there. Mm. We are all on one level of just being atoms in the being of this greater entity that we're part of. So I think, as I say, we've got to change our whole ideas and lose this old mythology by making it conscious and seeing where we're stuck in it. Mm-hmm. And this again is left brain because le- left brain likes to know where it is and likes to know if it's better than somebody else or if somebody's winning over the other person. This has nothing to do with with the true um, purpose of life and why we're here on the planet. It's all to do with with a habit that's grown up over these four thousand years of behaving like this right. and thinking that we have enemies we have to conquer and we have to have better weapons all the time, bigger and better weapons in case someone attacks us. All that is part of this mythology. Maybe, maybe that's
0: why the, the grail myth and the Gnostic fallen goddess myth to me have so much power is because it's not a straightforward uh, good versus evil or light versus dark story right it it's got all kinds of nuances and it's not it's not a good versus evil when you know oh. and and I, I i love i love all of the mythic imagery in both of those stories uh, i think my soul is kind of hungry for it because I'm a little burned out of the dark versus light myth. Like I've gotten it, uh, you know, my whole life in spades. It doesn't matter where I've looked or what mm-hmm. films, you know, it's always about that. I understand yeah. it. I mean, I could, I can spin those, you know, those things off like crazy because I've been, you know, told that a million times, uh, whether it was the Bible or whether it was Star Wars or whether it was the Matrix. I mean it's all been this solar mythology. So whenever I get my hands on a juicy piece of mythology that is not that, that represents the other relational uh, soul's journey, I think it's just like honey to me because I'm like, finally I get to, you know, activate my mythic imagination and really get down to figuring out what's going on. (laughs) So, yeah.
1: (laughs) There was one film which wasn't like that and that was Close Encounters of the Third Kind
0: yeah Which that's right all
1: about the goal and the quest and and getting over that mountain yeah be able to see the marvelous ufo that was appearing there yeah. and they the people who got there knew it in their soul they had to get there move heaven and earth to get there and they did they climbed the mountain and got there somehow so that is not about good and evil at all or light and that's dark. right that's right and really yeah. it's about
0: the grail quest it is. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot how uh, important that film was when I it saw it. It
1: really important. And yeah. also, I, I long to make a film about the Grail with with Steven Spielberg. If only I'm too old now, but that is the great story that could be made into a wonderful movie.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know if they've quite captured it on film in a way that that renders it you know, as powerful as it needs to be. It's, it's a, it would be a daunting task for a filmmaker, but somebody like Spielberg would be probably somebody that it. would be able to do it. Could yeah, it. yeah.
1: You the approach to the covered, you know, the first time and the second time, and you could get the being lost in the forest like Dante's wood, And you could, um, the confusion and the, he has to learn humility. Yeah, yeah. He can't be the hero. He has to be the humble servant. So anyway, all that could be brought in in the most wonderful way, but (laughs) it would have to be for another lifetime. Exactly. Well, Anne, thanks so much for coming back onto
0: Basecamp for Men. It is always so great to chat with you. Um, All of these topics are so interesting. Your book, The Dream of the Cosmos, A Quest for the Soul. um, I'll mention it again and tell them where to find it. But thank you so much for sharing your time. Uh, Have a great birthday celebration with your friends. Uh, And uh, let's do this again. Uh, uh, Maybe next year we can get together and see what's what and see what else you got going on and what you want to chat about. But I just so appreciate you taking the time with us today and, and sharing. Thank you.
1: Well, it's a great pleasure to talk to you and to have somebody on the same wavelength and to be able to share my ideas and my experience with somebody who's also got a lot of uh, experience to, to share. So thank you very much, Tony. It's been lovely. Beautiful. To find Anne
0: Baring's excellent book, The Dream of the Cosmos, A Quest for the Soul, go to www.annebaring.com. Her website is terrific. It has all sorts of material and content for the seeker, so go check it out. I plan on spending a few hours there over the Christmas break myself. And lastly, if you find Basecamp for Men to be a valuable resource in your hero's journey, please consider a small monthly donation at www.basecamp-podcast.com. Thank you, listeners. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors, and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.